what I'm calling the gospel in word, power, and the Holy Spirit. Switch this on. There we go. And the whole time we're, we're starting a new series, and the new series is called the Gospel in Word, Power, and the Holy. Uh, the Gospel is called um, Good News in Difficult Times. Okay, we've we've got a series called Good News in Difficult Times. This screen's gone dead here, Steve. Is that? Does it just need? That might be why. Okay. Okay, thanks, Mike. Yeah, okay, so it's a new series called Good News in Difficult Times. And, um, you know, the news that we see on TV a lot of the time is not that good, is it? Um, and times are difficult. So we're looking at some good news, even in these difficult times. And as you'll see from the, the uh, thing on the screen, it's based around Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonia. Okay? And um, just a brief word of explanation. Um, Thessalonia was an important city uh, of around 200,000 people um, in northern Greece. Um, compare that with Weymouth and Portland. I think Weymouth and Portland together is about 60,000. So it's at least four times, maybe five times the size of Weymouth and Portland, quite a big place, particularly in those days in that society. It's believed that the letter would have been written about 51 AD, so that's about some 18 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, and the gospel had been spreading since that time. And it was maybe a couple of years after Paul and Silas had first visited Thessalonica. So. At that time, Paul had followed his usual practice. He would go into a new place, and first he would visit the local synagogue, where he would preach about Jesus to the local Jewish community and to any God-fearing Gentiles that attended the synagogue. That was his usual practice. And it was often the case that at first he'd be well-received, but eventually what often tended to happen was that he faced opposition and had to leave in a hurry and we're going to have a quick look at the story now in acts chapter 17 when paul and his companions had passed through amphipolis and apollonia they came to thessalonica where there was a jewish synagogue as was his custom paul went into the synagogue and on three sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot 
in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bonds, so it's like bail, and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away um, to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. You can guess what happened next if you follow the story. So why the title, Good News in Difficult Times? You know, certainly the good news of Jesus was preached and the environment was certainly difficult. The times were difficult. So from that point of view, the title is appropriate. But we need to read from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians to understand further why this is good news in difficult times. You know, the Acts passage doesn't tell us how long Paul and Silas were in Thessalonica. But there's a sense when you read the passage there that they weren't there for very long. Three Sabbath days they preached. Then, you know, things began to flare up. It could be that they were there for a matter of weeks and probably certainly no more than two or perhaps three months, reading from the context of what is there. They weren't there for very long. There hadn't been time to unpack full doctrinal teaching. No leaders seemed to have been set in place by the laying on of hands. Now, we don't know that, but it doesn't say, nowhere is it mentioned that there were leaders appointed. Jason was probably the emerging leader. The church met in his home. But before Paul and his friends had had time to put leadership and teaching foundation into this newly birthed church, they had to scarper pretty quickly. And as we shall see, as we read this letter over the next few weeks, Paul was concerned for this new baby church. Would it survive without its parents around? Would it hold to the teaching that Paul had managed to put into them in the brief while that he was there? Or would it be knocked off course by Satan? Would it fall into error or maybe even into sin? Could Paul hand this over to God? 
Teresa brought that word earlier about us handing things back to God. Can we trust God to hand things over? Teresa didn't know I was bringing this, and I didn't know that she was bringing that word about handing things back to God. But it's, this is the same situation. People handing things back to God. Could, could God be trusted? Would the news coming from the church that was facing difficult times, would it be good news? Well, let's read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and start to find out. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God, our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. That region just covered the whole of Greece, basically. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, not dead idols that are not real, but living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So Paul had been concerned about how the church would survive his hurried departure. He could only leave them to the care of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? The Holy Spirit made quite a good job of it. Well, when I say quite a good job, what I mean is really an amazing job. The Holy Spirit made an amazing job of caring for his people. Just as the Holy Spirit is more than capable of looking after the people that you have left into his care this morning as we were bringing that word, that prophetic word earlier. He is well capable of leading, guiding, and caring for his people. Very accomplished at it. It says they received 
the message with joy despite sufferings. It says the message rang out. The message of the Lord rang out from them, not just in their city of 200,000. Wouldn't that be great? Message ringing out from us to a people of 60,000. Well, their message rang out not just to a city of 200,000, but to across the whole of the region and even beyond their region, everywhere. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Now, even allowing for a little bit of poetic license in that, I think we can say the message got out there. Yeah? They turned from idols to serve the true and living God. Now, as we shall see, as we read on in the next weeks, there was a little bit of error and a little bit of misunderstanding that was creeping in regarding the nature of, of the Lord Jesus' return, and we'll see that in the next few weeks. But basically, the good news continued to be good news, even in difficult times. Even though they were being whipped off in front of the, 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 the authorities and there were riots going on, even though those things were happening, the good news was still good news. And you know what? The really good news, it was in the very first song that James brought this morning. He said, it's saying, I am chosen. The good news is we are chosen by God. The really good news is they were chosen by God. And Paul said that we can know this because the gospel, the good news, came not only with words, but also with power and the Holy Spirit. Teresa told me a story yesterday. I'm just going to briefly, you know, just very briefly. Um, Pippa put a post up on Facebook. Mike's daughter Pippa had put a post up on Facebook from Jules Burt uh, in Bedford. And Jules was saying on that day that they'd been out and they're just with some friends and went and had a coffee in a coffee shop. They were sitting there having coffee. And the Holy Spirit prompted someone in their group to say there was a couple over there, you know, to go and speak to them. And, and they went over and uh, to the lady, they said, you know, are you, are you a poet, a writer? Yeah. How do you know that? Well, the Lord's just telling me. He said, you know, and is it that you you know you're feeling a sense of um, of holding back, of maybe lacking confidence? These are my words. You'd need to listen to the the whole story, but but well, yeah, that is that's really true. Uh, that's just how I've been feeling about it. I went to see somebody um, about doing a theatre production, but I really felt quite nervous, and you know, and just the Lord in, encouraging her and saying that He knew about her and He was with her, and then to the to her partner, it said. Um, you know, um, tell us about you yourself. And he was a musician, and he said that he had tinnitus in his ear and had had to give up uh, playing music, and uh, and really bad tinnitus. I said, "Well, can we pray for you?" I said, "Okay." So they prayed for him, and the tinnitus just went. It just went. You know, and it turned out that this person 
This man, his mum was a believing Christian who'd been praying for him. I think we need to remember that. It's always important. There's someone praying in the background. You know, but out of that, the Holy Spirit, you know, the gospel came at that moment, not just with words, but also with power and with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, for many of us, it won't be as big as that, maybe. It won't seem as quite as amazing as that. But can I just tell you that Scripture tells us that no one can receive this message of God unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. If you tell someone about Jesus, it will be gobbledygook. It will make no sense whatsoever. They will not intellectually process what we tell people about Jesus unless the Holy Spirit comes in and opens people's minds, opens people's eyes, opens people's hearts to the message. It will not make sense. And the very fact that the message, if indeed it has made sense to you, if it's made sense to you, it can only have done so because the Holy Spirit has opened up your heart and made sense of it. So the Holy Spirit has been involved in your story, in your conversion. The gospel comes not just with words, but also with power, and with the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we can know that we are chosen. And it says the message was received with joy given by the same Holy Spirit, despite opposition and suffering. This good news is good news for us in difficult times, no matter how difficult the times seem to be. The good news for us is that we too are chosen. By God. You can be confident that God has chosen you. Says there in that passage. You can be confident that God has chosen you. You know, the message comes with power. We find ourselves no longer doing the wrong things we used to do. And not because we've made some sort of superhuman effort to stop, but simply just because it happened. Jeff, a few weeks ago, he's not with us this morning, but um, Jeff was telling us how, you know, he'd been kind of addicted to prescription drugs. He was just popping them all the time um, for pain to the point almost that really he was addicted. And when he really gave his life to the Lord and the Holy Spirit just came upon him and he was filled with joy. In fact, he was filled with so much joy. He said when he went home that day, his wife said, wow, you're different. And... He stopped taking the drug. He didn't, didn't uh, consciously, he suddenly realized, I'm not taking all those painkillers anymore. It wasn't a sort of, you know, grit your teeth and bear it. It just kind of happens. The power of God, it came about because of the power of God. And th that comes with the whole package of us being chosen. You know, we still struggle at times, and sometimes God needs to work on us for a bit longer. Some things seem to happen immediately. Other things take a bit longer. But we find that we're constantly being changed by the Holy Spirit, by God's grace for the better. 
God is changing us. Some things go quickly. Some things seem to take longer. But God changes us by his power. There's, there's power at work in you because of the gospel that has come to you. So as God works out this good news in our lives, so we are led to work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You, we read that right at the beginning. There will be a work that by faith you know the Lord has given you to do. And that will be different for different ones of us. Some maybe, for example, might work with children. Others may work with the elderly. Some may be called into working into the political, or the political area of life. Others might work in the business community. Some may work within their own family in just bringing up children. Some may work within the church family. And others may work in the wider community at large. But all of us have a work that we do by faith in the Lord. Let me tell you of one work that faith will produce in you and in all of us. And it's that one up there. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is a work that God will produce in us by faith. If we haven't got faith, we won't do that. But if we, if we have a faith that tells us that God is at work, that God wants to save the lost, that as we go, yes, we will meet many people that will not hear the gospel, but there are people out there that will, and we need to find them. Only faith will work that out in us. There's a work of faith that says go and make disciples. Work produced by faith. But you will also find, as the next line indicates, a supply of love. A supply of love in your life that will prompt you to labor in this sometimes demanding and tiring work that faith has produced in you. Work has faith has produced a work in you, but it gets tiring. Love will prompt you to continue to labor in that work. Love will be the fuel and the energy source that keeps you laboring in the work that you've been given. And you will find the ability to endure, despite opposition and disappointments, through the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. You will find that you are able to endure and carry on because of the eternal hope we have in Jesus, the hope of glory in our hearts, an eternal future with God in heaven, an inheritance that is to be revealed at the end of time. All of this will inspire us to endure and carry on. A work produced by faith, laboring, prompted by love in that work, and enduring because we're inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is good news, even in difficult times. 
May I take a little aside here and just tell you about a sentence in this letter that currently means a lot to me. And it's one that you may not have even noticed. It seems so insignificant, but it means so much to me. And it's this one. Continually mention you in our prayers. We continually mention you in our prayers. I feel this is all it takes. We just mention people in our prayers. We don't need to go into long explanations to God about the people that we want to see coming to know him. We just keep mentioning them to God. That's easy, isn't it? We mention people to God. We can mention people to God, can't we? That's not difficult. Just as we pray, oh Lord, just mention, can I just bring, just mention so-and-so, it's on my heart. Lord, pray for someone, I want them to find faith in you. Just mention them to God. Always mentioning you in our prayers. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Gary, I uh, was taking the youth upstairs now, but a couple of weeks ago, Gary, when he was preaching, and he was preaching about us being adopted as children of God, and he said, because God is an adopting God, he encouraged us to be adopting people. And not necessarily in the way of adopting children, although you could do that. I know many people do feel called to that. But adopting someone, a person that's far from God, and praying for them daily. Do you remember that? Are you still managing to do that? Is there somebody at that time in your heart you thought, yeah, I need to adopt this person and be praying for them? Are you, are you managing to do that? If not, keep mentioning them before God. Keep mentioning them before God in your prayers. You know, in a week's time, we're going to be supporting the Archbishop of Canterbury's initiative, Thy Kingdom Come. It's no longer just an Anglican initiative, but it's been picked up by churches across the nation, indeed, across the nations, to pray for those who are far from God. If you go on the website, Thy Kingdom Come 2019, it says this, Thy Kingdom Come, join the global wave of prayer calling all Christians, does that include you? I think it does. All, says all, right? All Christians to pray between Ascension and Pentecost. Dates come later. For more people to come to know Jesus Christ. May the 30th to June the, 20, to June the 9th. You can't, you can't disagree with that, can we? All Christians to be praying for more people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. And that's something you want to get on board with, isn't it? Um, there's going to be more details actually following uh, as more events become known across the town. Uh, I do want to draw your attention to one, and it's on the um, Saturday, the 8th of June. It's the same day as the Southwest Together for the Southwest, but this is in the evening. And there is going to be a joyful celebration walk from Hope Square to Debenham Square. Um, we're hoping that it's going to be sort of filled with, uh, you know, jazz-type trumpet sounds and things. Um, musicians, you may want to get involved. Um, and um, it, it's, you know, it's going to be a great... We're going to look happy. Because the problem is sometimes, like, when we do walk to our marches of witness sometimes... We kind of look like we've gained eternity but lost a fiver along the way. Um, 
But this time, we're going to look joyful and we're going to bring light into darkness. It's at 9.15 at Debenham Square, so I will, you'll get details of when. Presumably, we'll be leaving um, Hope Square at about 9 o'clock and walking into town for 9.15. I know at 9.15 it won't be dark. That's when sunset is. So it'll be about half hour after that. So by the time we've had some songs, and I'm, I've been involved in actually planning this with Nick uh, Clark and some of the other leaders. Sadly, we can't be there. Uh, we've got a friend's 80th in Paynton that same night um, from our church in Battersea many years ago. And we're going to be in Paynton. In fact, I won't be here on Sunday morning either. We're, we're, we're staying in Paynton overnight. But I would really encourage you, if you can, to get involved. If you can get involved in that procession, in that march, in that time of worship, bringing light to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church at Pentecost and be a witness. And throughout that week, particularly, they're asking us to be praying. Let's get involved. It's something to get on board with. Finally, right at the end of the passage, it says this. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. It's easy to pass over such statements. It's all a bit doom and gloom. Coming wrath does not sound like good news. And it's not. But being rescued from the coming wrath is incredibly good news. Being rescued from the coming wrath is incredibly good news. There's no news better. It is the greatest news. You know what? If you're not a Christian this morning, then I have to tell you, you are far from God and you face the prospect of the coming wrath. That's not me saying that. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul wrote. There is a coming wrath. But you can, the good news is, you can come near to God and through Jesus be rescued from the coming wrath. That's the good news. Whether your life is good at the moment or if times for you are difficult, whatever, there is good news for you in Jesus Christ if you will turn to him. And if you are a Christian, then you can give a message to people who are far from God, that will rescue them from the coming wrath. That's good news too. The fact that you can give someone a message that will rescue them from the coming wrath. It's good news. You know, this is undoubtedly what the Thessalonians did. It says the message rang out from them so that the whole area heard about their faith in God. The gospel is good news even in difficult times. It went to the Thessalonians in word, power, and in the Holy Spirit. It came to us, to you, to me, in word, power, and in the Holy Spirit. And you can be assured that it will continue through us to go to people who are far from God in word and power and the Holy Spirit. On occasions, it will be like that Jules Burt story. That will happen. On other occasions, it just be you will talk to somebody and 
somehow, seemingly, the penny dropped. But it won't be an intellectual penny that drops. It will be a deep work of the Holy Spirit in someone's heart and mind that enables them to see the truth, understand it. You can be assured that even though you may be going through difficult times at the moment, the good news is still good. God is good. God's spirit is still at work. The Lord still reigns, whatever circumstances you are going through. And we need to let faith, love, and hope produce in us, as it says in that, in that passage, a work and a labor that endures and produces an eternal harvest. If you want prayer, if you have been stirred in your spirit, whether that is for yourself or whether it's for somebody else, whether you've been stirred, as Gary brought that word a couple of weeks ago about praying for someone, you think, yeah, I need to renew my efforts. Um, would you pray with me and help me to do that? Whatever, if you want prayer in any way, then I'm more than willing to pray with you. James, do you want to just come up?